we're in Galatians chapter 5 tonight, and uh, we have such a really cool study here as I want to try to finish up Galatians, and then we'll see what the Lord has next for us. Uh, I want to, you know, interview couples. I want to talk about different issues um, and see how the Lord will sustain us and build us up as a church. But in the book of Galatians, we've been talking about um, the way that God has set the Christians free and how the Judaizers came in. And wherever Paul would plant a church, you know, they would come in, they would follow, and they would try to get these Christians back into their religion, back into the law, back into legalism, back into Judaism. So rather than going forward, what ended up happening is they were going backwards to a very dangerous place. You know, and that can happen in different ways. I don't know if you guys have any friends that have fallen away, you know, and it breaks your heart because at one time they were here and they were going to church or maybe they were serving in different ways, and now they're not. You know, now they're nowhere to be found, and that can happen, you know, and you might think, well, not me. It can't happen to me, but I don't know, man. I just pray that we would abide in the Lord, that we would, you know, stay close to Christ because um, I was just thinking about, like, when I got saved, I was, uh, you guys know that I went to Catholic school for a little bit, fifth grade, I went to Nativity, I think um, a few years at St. Christopher's in West Covina, so I had some religion, you know, I read my Bible, I was baptized, I wore the scapular, um, unlike Henry, I was a good Catholic, you know, <laughs> not as, not, not that good, Henry, poor Henry, he didn't even know how to do the sign of the cross, I, I knew how to to do that and stuff, and so, you know, but here's the thing, that, um, you know, it was nothing, it was nothing for me, I mean, I didn't know the Lord, I didn't, I had zero power over sin, it was nothing, but then that day that I got saved, I felt like a lightning bolt from heaven came into my life. I mean, it was everything. I mean, he completely set me free. He completely, you know, gave me his strength. He changed everything about me. I was dead, and then I became alive, right? And so, you know, imagine me going back to the impotency of religion, going back to legalism, going back to Judaism, going back to Catholicism. I mean, it's just absolutely ludicrous why anyone would do that. But what happens over time is as you're walking by faith and maybe not by feelings anymore, you're not having that emotional honeymoon period as a Christian, you can start looking to other things. You know, you start looking at the stained glass windows. You start looking to the incense. You start looking to the holy water. Um, and, and those things can become appealing to the flesh. And so, you know, even someone who gets saved, sometimes they go backwards. And so, Right here, this is what the book of Galatians is all about, that Paul says, whatever you do, um, don't go backwards. Stand fast. Notice in verse 1, stand fast or stand firm, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You know, I mean, and that's uh, a lot of times, you know, what ends up happening they go backwards rather than forwards. You know, when you think even of your own personal relationship with the Lord, you might think that if I perform well, if I read enough chapters, if I pray enough hours, if I do enough ministry, 
You know, I don't smoke or chew or run with those who do. You know, I don't cuss and praise God for all that, man. But, but that doesn't make you in right standing with God. You know, um, because what ends up happening is when you get caught up in a relationship like that, it's a performance-oriented relationship. And so what we see here, Paul is saying, is I want you to, to stay in, in, in this relationship that has been established by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. You know, don't go backwards to, for them, the Jews was the appeal back to the law. Do not be entangled with a yoke of bondage. And I'll tell you what, the devil, he always does that. He always wants to put weights on you. He wants to, to just imagine, you know, living your whole life with, you know, this crazy 100-pound backpack. And, and, and God wants us to travel light. You know, he wants to put handcuffs on you. He wants to limit you. And, and, and Jesus wants to do the exact opposite. Remember what he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30? He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, I'll never forget when I first got saved. Just how amazing this new relationship that I had with Christ. So amazing. And we got to stay there, you guys. We got to stay in the beauty of that, that freedom, the way that God has lifted the burdens off our shoulders. We can't go back to those things. You know, because that's what the devil wants to do. And Paul here is just saying, man, make sure you, you stay free. You know, right here, he's talking about this yoke of bondage. And Jesus says, well, take my yoke upon you. And so there is a yoke, but it's not a yoke that we bear alone. It's we're, we're yoked to him. And it's not, you know, this thing that's unbearable. It's this thing that's very, very beautiful. It's very, very doable. And so Paul here is upset because he loves the Christians and he doesn't like it the way that these religious people come in and ruin everything. Don't you guys, you know, doesn't it kind of upset you sometimes when you see people who claim to be Christians but they misrepresent Christ? People who claim to be Christian but they're nothing like Jesus? That made Paul mad. And so right now, notice what he says in in verse 2. Indeed, I, Paul... I say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And so they were saying that in order for you to get saved, in order for you to be right in your relationship with God, you can't just be faith. That's too simple. They, they said, you've got to get circumcised. You've got to go back to Judaism. You have to enter into that covenant. And, and, and Paul here, he gives a warning. You know, my Bible, you guys know how I'm weird, right? I highlight things certain colors. If it's a warning, I highlight it in red. And verse 2 is a warning. If you go back to religion, if you go back, let's just say we thought, you know, well, in order to be saved, I got to get baptized. If you have that mentality, then, then you're, look what he says right here. I say to you that if if you become circumcised or if you get baptized thinking that that saves you when you're already saved, he says Christ will profit you nothing. And I I testify in verse 3 again to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. 
you know, if you go back into that religion, Judaism, then you got to, you know, it says cursed is the one who doesn't continue in the whole law. And so now you're obligated to do everything there and you can't. And so he says, you have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. Notice this, you have fallen from grace. Now, there's a debate in the church whether or not a person can, they, 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 they use the terms lose your salvation. And I don't know if I would necessarily use those terms. I would just talk Bible. You know, the question is, can someone fall from grace? Can someone be estranged from Christ? That's what it says right there. Another translation says cut off. Can someone be cut off from Christ? Well, yeah, that's what it says. <laughs> You know, that's what the Bible says. You know, not to put pressure on you, but here's the, what, I, what I want to encourage you to do is just keep believing until the day you die. Don't think you have to jump through hoops or put, you know, a certain amount of push-ups or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just, just keep believing. Keep resting in Him. Because if not, you might be estranged from Christ. Or you might fall from grace. Look at verse 5. For we, through the Spirit, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. It's not by law, it's by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But notice it's faith working through love. And so how is someone saved? How do you go to heaven? How do you, you know, come to a place where you're in right standing with God? The answer is by faith. I believe. Jesus spilt his blood on Calvary and all my sins were laid on him. He rose again the third day and I believe. That's it. The split second you believe, you're saved. I mean, it's just, that's why they call it good news. This is so amazing. You're not believing in your head intellectually, but even believing in your heart spiritually. You know, some of you here, you got saved in a moment, huh? How many of you here, you got saved in one eleventh of a second? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? There was that day, man, boom, all of a sudden, you could see the colors of nature. All of a sudden, you could, you know, hear the birds singing where before you, you couldn't hear them singing. All of a sudden... There was hope. And you found that you have purpose. It just happened just like that. It's not by circumcision. It's not by baptism. It's not by certain ceremonies that we have to perform or, or even a behavior. The behavior we're going to see later is a fruit. That doesn't save you, though. What saves you is faith. He says right here, it's faith. And then it says right here, working through love. And what that means is faith expressing itself through love. And you're going to see that when you really are saved, then you're really going to have love. And that's what ends up happening. What's the outward sign? What's the evidence of someone who is genuinely converted? Is it because they have the bumper sticker? Is it because they go to church service? Is it... You know, because, um, you know, they, they, they read and pray. Not necessarily. 
How many of you have a bumper sticker? Just out of curiosity. Some of you do, praise God for that. But you guys know, huh, the evidence, the true evidence of salvation is love. There's going to be a lot of people in, a, in hell, and they had bumper stickers. And they're going to stand before Jesus one day, and they're going to say, I had a bumper sticker. You know, I, I, I would drive it all over the, the freeways, and people would see it, and... and Lord said, I'm sorry, but you never came to that place of true and genuine faith in me. And so these guys, they had come to that place. They were saved, but then someone was turning them back to the law, back to Judaism, back to legalism. And, you know, Paul's trying to fight it with everything he, he has. He says in verse 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. It's not God who's doing this. He says a little leaven, it leavens the whole lump. No, I mean, this little, you know, drop of poisonous thinking in which you enter into a relationship with God that's performance-oriented or it's rooted in religion or it's rooted in man's attempt to reach God and not just, you know, one in which you accept the fact that you're accepted in Christ. That's leaven. And once that begins to get into your life then, and into your heart, it begins to spread through your whole body. He says, you've got to take it out. That's why I love Pastor Chuck Smith because he emphasizes over and over again how grace changes everything. You know, if you could just get Christians to understand that God loves them, that, that God has accepted them and the beloved, that they're rich in Christ. You know, it's, it's just so cool. And, and then, you know, it just breaks your heart when someone comes into their life and says, yeah, I know you love the Lord, but you know what? Here, I've got a, a list right here of 27,000 rules that you have to obey if you really want to be blessed, if you really want God to love you. And, and he's just saying, no, that's leaven. You know, usually when we think of leaven, and it's interesting, you know, you read it in 1 Corinthians and we think, well, it's sexual sin. Yeah, that's leaven too, and it can come into the whole church. But here we see it's a religious, it's a self-righteous sin that can come into our hearts. Paul said, man, you were running so good. You know, you guys were, man, you were running the mile in four minutes. What happened? <laughs> He says in verse 10, I have confidence in you in the Lord, though, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And so wherever Paul would go start a church, these guys would come in after Paul would leave and they would spread their poison. And Paul says, you guys, I, I'm just praying you're going to be okay. But that guy who's doing those things, God's going to get him. And, and, and in verse 11, and, and I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I know it sounds hard to believe, you know, from us, from our perspective, here we are 2,000 years later, but um, back then, when you're, you're, you're preaching the cross, you're preaching a radical message. I mean, this is a whole, a whole you know, civilization that up to this point believed in nothing but religion. I mean, you go back to the beginning, man, and it was, it was everywhere. 
You know, it was the Greeks and, and the Romans and the Jews. The whole wide world believed in religion. And so then you, when you go and you preach the message of the cross, you know, it's done, it's paid for. When he died, he said, to Talisti, it's finished. You know, it, it offended them. Remember how we talked about how for the, 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 the Greeks it was foolishness and to the Jews it was a stumbling block, but to those who believe it was the power of God unto salvation. Paul says, you know, these guys would come in and maybe they would say, well, yeah, Paul, you know, this is what he teaches. And, you know, Paul says, no, that they're misrepresenting me. If I still preach circumcision, and that's what they were saying, then why do I still suffer persecution? No, I'm not preaching that. I'm preaching the cross. And look what he says in verse 12. I could wish that those who trouble you would cut themselves off. And you guys know what he's saying right there, right? You know what he's saying? That one translation, New English translation says, I wish those agitators would go so far as castrating themselves. So they're teaching, you know, circumcision. And Paul says, man, I, <laughs> I wish I could get a knife and, you know, castrate these guys. That's how upset he was. Earlier in chapter 1, he talked about these guys who misrepresented the Lord. And he said, uh, I, I, I tell you the truth, even if we or someone else preaches any other gospel to you than what we have preached, let him go to hell. Let him be damned. And the Greek word is anathema. And so, you know, in looking at this right here, Paul's upset because Paul loves them. And we have the same mentality. And I think not just pastors, but you guys all have the same mentality, right? With your friends, you're like, hey, oh, you're a Christian now? Cool. You know, keep it up, bro. You know, keep it up. Keep believing in the Lord and, you know, keep, you know, going to church service. The other day I was talking to a guy on the phone and he's been hit and miss in church service for like the last, you know, three, four months. And so I'm on the phone with him yesterday. I, I kind of wanted to study, you know, but you guys know how it is. I mean, you get a phone call from that individual who's struggling You'll be on the phone for an hour, no problem. Come back. Come back to Jesus. This guy over here who's lying to you, who's trying to set you up, the, 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 the enemy himself who's trying to trip you up, or whatever the reason is for you to not be here anymore, that's not the Lord. Come back. You know, and that's our heart, huh? I mean, I get blessed. I mean, I, I want you guys, and, you know, to, to just, man, grow. Don't you want people to grow? I mean, you want people to prophesy and speak in tongues and serve the Lord and, you know, do all these great things for the Lord. But you also just want people to make it, man. You know, I think it was uh, Dr. Um, Dr. Dobson's uh, parents, when they were dying, and they were they were talking to you know him and, and his siblings, that what they told him was, "I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven now." And I know you guys are all believers, but I need to tell you this: as I go to heaven, be there. And those were the last words. You know, stay on track. I'm going to heaven. The only thing that I ask is that you be there too. 
Because we know, we've been around long enough to know that once a person starts, you know, drifting, they can drift away. And in this case, this is what Paul's fighting with everything that, that he is. I don't want you to be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. I don't want you to be estranged uh, from Christ. I don't want you to fall from grace. Notice in verse 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And so verse 1 says, Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. But, but in, just in case you go to the extreme and you're like, Hey, I'm free now. I can do you know, whatever I want. You know, no, that's not what he's saying. You're, you're free from sin. You're not free to sin. You know, before I was a Christian, I couldn't stop doing the stuff that I was doing. I was a slave to it. But once I became a Christian, God set me free, and now at least I have a choice. You know, before I was a Christian, I was in Egypt, I was in bondage, and the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb set me free. You know, but what do you do with that freedom? What he says right now, and now he's going to get into it, is this, okay, you're free, but whatever you do, don't think that you're free to do whatever you want. And we're going to see as we go through our section, and real quick, we're going to go through the end of this, is that it's really what God has set us free to do is to love. Notice what we read in verse 14. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, one time they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of all? And so Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The guy didn't ask him for the top two. He asked him for the, what's the greatest commandment? And so Jesus said, love God, but the way that you prove you love God at the end of the day is by loving your neighbor. And that's why he had to put those two together. And we see here that that's the same thing he says. All the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And you know this, I don't know, Evander Holyfield type of thing, you know, we see it in the church. You know, biting one another is talking smack about people and, you know, you know that kind of thing. And, and, and so he's saying, listen, that's not a good thing. Here I say then, walk in the Spirit, verse 16, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so we're going to see later that when you become a Christian, you live in the Spirit. Now there's a life in the Spirit. But now we have to choose not to be, you know, legalistic, you know, Judaism, Catholicism, religion, because then you're under the law and you're not led by the Spirit. So we live in the Spirit, and if we're led by the Spirit, we're not religious people, we're people who have a relationship with God. We live in the Spirit, we're led by the Spirit, and so we walk in the Spirit. 
And when you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, you guys know that you have an ugly person inside of you? Do you guys know that? Sometimes I look at some of these older ladies, and I'm like, no way. They don't have an ugly person inside of them. And doctrinally speaking, though, I'm like, they do. Every once in a while, you see it flare up here and there. All of us here, I don't care how good you are, and you might even look at someone like me, and he's a pastor, and I'm sure he's got it all together. No way, there is a filthy, wicked, wretched, depraved, selfish, awful, horrible person inside of me. And that old man will always be there. He will always be there until I'm in glory. And so it's called the flesh. And it's interesting how, you know, when you become a Christian, because we're body, soul, and spirit, so when you become a Christian, the spiritual man is made alive. And so now there's a war going on between the old manny and the new manny. And, and so, you know, it's interesting how the flesh lusts against the spirit. And you're like, what does that mean? That means that that flesh wants to have the position that that new man has. I don't like the way that he's ruling this guy. I don't like the way that now he has, you know, control over his life. I don't like that. And he's lusting after the spirit. And the spirit is then lusting after the flesh. And these two are warring with each other. And I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I think there is a lot of logic to the fact that we've talked about this before. We all have two lions inside of us. Which lion wins? It's the one you feed the most. Doesn't that kind of make sense? And that's why it's important to be in the word and and to be on your knees. And don't just do it to check off your box and, you know, some habitual, superficial, artificial thing. No, really meet with God. And as you're there, you know, every day, you you guys pray that every day, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I can't do this on my own. And you may not even articulate it. I know I do articulate it. I do pray it every day. But I just wake up in the morning and I go in and spend time with the Lord. And this is what I do personally. And then because I am I'm just thoroughly convinced, persuaded, I understand that I cannot do this on my own strength. I know that. I can't stand before my wife. My kids, my neighbor's cat, I can't stand before any of them, seriously, without the Lord. And so if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 19, it talks about the, the lust of the flesh, and it's interesting. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. All four of those talk about sexual sin. You know, when you're married, you got to stay faithful to your spouse. If you're single, you know, you got you, you to wait until you get married before you have sex. And all the other stuff, the real ugly, perverted sexual sins, pornography, all that kind of stuff. He said that's the work of the flesh. He talks about idolatry and sorcery. Other translations say witchcraft. The Greek word is pharmakia. It's where we get our word pharmacy. It's drug abuse, hatred, contention, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, 
dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, that's the parties, and the life of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, but I got a bumper sticker. You're living in sexual sin. You know, the Bible just makes it clear that you don't know the Lord. You know, this is just, you're not, it's, not like, it's not like, well, the sexual sin kept me out of heaven. No, the sexual sin didn't keep you out of heaven. It just showed that you're not saved. The envy, the jealousies, the outward, you know, bursts of anger, the contentions. Anytime you put anything before God, idolatry. You know, and you, and you, know, you do it all, you do it consistently, you know. Every day. I mean, it's just a pattern. It's your life. It's a description of who you are. The guy that he's out there and he's getting drunk every day, we call him a drunkard. Well, the one who gets mad every day, we call them a, a hateful person, an angry, an angry person. You have to be really careful with this stuff. Because, you know, probably not, I don't know, it's to me, I, I shouldn't say this, but on a Sunday night, you guys are coming here in a Dodger game, and so maybe there's a good chance that you know the Lord, but, but um, <laughs> you have to really examine your life. That's the, that shows you that you're walking in the flesh, and if you do it consistently, I don't care what you say, you're not a Christian, okay? But, but what he says right here in verse 2, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You know, and just, you know, try to look at your life. Is this the fruit? You know, if, if they were to describe your life, hey, what type of person are you? Oh, I see that in you. Love, you've got joy, you've got peace. You're not quick to get angry. You're very long-suffering. And I noticed, man, you, you got it under control. There's like this fruit of, of self-control, you know, kindness, goodness. There, there's a gentleness about you. That's the sign of a Christian, you know, and not circumcision, not religion. You know, um, it's kind of funny because... Um, you talk to different people, and they, you know, you go to some of these places. Like you go uh, to the south. Um, I remember when we went to Missouri. Everybody over there was, you know, they were Baptists. You know, they grew up in the church, and you know, hey, are you a Christian? No, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Baptist. You, do you know the Lord? Yeah, I, I'm American. You know, I know the Lord, and and sometimes those are the hardest people to reach. Because they're so religious. But then I'm serious. You talk to the prostitute? Because we've talked to the prostitutes? So open. Because they know they need the Lord. And so, you know, when, you, when you're looking at, well, what is the fruit of the Spirit? These are the things that you have to look for. Is it present in your life? This is what happens when you're you know, you're alive in the Spirit, you're led by the Spirit, and you walk in the Spirit. So most of us here, we wear shoes. 
I just want to use this as a quick illustration. Just like you put on your shoes every day to walk in them, so you need to put on the Spirit every day and walk in the Spirit. He says right here, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so I think there was something going on there in the church where maybe there was some conflict going on, and, and so Paul was addressing it.